Kate Bowler is a professor at Duke Divinity School, and while my hatred of all things Duke-related knows no bounds, I will grudgingly confess that said Divinity School is indeed a mighty fine institution. Several of my seminary professors actually received their doctorates from Duke. Now, I wasn't too familiar with Dr. Bowler's work. I knew she had written a book on the prosperity gospel, and it's been sitting on my Amazon wish list for a while. But yesterday, she posted an article in the New York Times that has stuck with me and encouraged me to rewrite parts of my sermon. A few months ago, she was diagnosed with stage 4 stomach cancer. Now, I know this can happen to anyone, um, so it's sad enough, but especially um, being at the relatively young age of 35, it, it makes it quite scary. And it has called her, of course, to question things, specifically the prosperity gospel tradition that she has written so much about. Now, the prosperity gospel is similar to the Protestant church in that it has many definitions and strands of observance, but the gist of it is that the belief um, is the belief that faith in God will lead to good things in your life. Now, that's, that's very crude, uh, but it is a crude doctrine to begin with. It argues that if you have faith, trust in God's plan, and throw in a dash of good old-fashioned Protestant work ethic elbow grease, you will be blessed with this new house, new car, new spouse, new life, and God will be the one bestowing this tremendous windfall on you as a product of your hard work and true faithfulness. The founder of the movement, a pastor named E.W. Kenyon, believed that Christians must avoid bad words, you know, there's not so fun terms like sickness and poverty and poor, and instead accept positive thought as a means of peaceful expression. Kenyon's motto to repeat is God is in me, God's ability is in me, God's strength is mine, God's health is mine, his success is mine, I am a winner, I am a conqueror. Now I will say for Dr. Kate Bowler, her response to all of that will make a better Ash Wednesday sermon than I preached. This section in particular moved me, these are her words, and I really encourage you to read the whole article. The most I can say about why I have cancer, medically speaking, is that bodies are delicate and prone to error. As a Christian, I can say that the kingdom of God is not yet fully here, and so we get sick and die. As a scholar, I can say that our society is steeped in a culture of facile reasoning. What goes around comes around, karma is a... And God is always, for some reason, going around closing doors and opening windows. God is super into that. The prosperity gospel tries to solve the riddle of human suffering. It is an explanation for the problem of evil. The prosperity gospel popularized a Christian explanation for why some people make it and some do not. They revolutionized prayer as an instrument for getting God to always say yes. It offers people a guarantee. Follow these rules and God will reward you, heal you, restore you. Now I consider what Dr. Bowler says against how we deal with temptation and simple answers. It is said that to err is to be human. And I would argue that to be tempted is to be human too. 
Life is not easy, and we're all going to face times when we will want to give in to our basest impulses. I do not think this is a bad thing. God knew what God created, and even if we corrupted it, God still knows us better than we know ourselves. Giving in to temptation is something different altogether, but I've known many a person to feel bad just for being faced with a choice to do something. Jesus is tempted. And he is not only tempted, but he is in a tough spot too because he is wandering through this barren wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights. And he is given the opportunity on three separate occasions to treat his divine DNA like a hereditary lottery jackpot. He just has to say a few words. Maybe he can even repeat the prosperity gospel mantra and his father will appear. Jesus can take the easy way out, and that's the temptation. And frankly, who could blame him? After all, there's ministry to be done, and this wilderness business is a waste of time. Jesus has just been baptized, so what else could he possibly have to prove to God? It's time to get to work. Temptation is a shortcut. It is a way of offering ourselves the maximum amount of momentary pleasure at the sacrifice of something greater and more important. Jesus turning stones into bread or taking the kingdoms of this world is a shortcut. Likewise, the prosperity gospel and other attempts to explain away the sadness and the pain of life are shortcuts. Poverty does not happen because impoverished folks do not pray to God. Cancer does not spread because a person is lacking faith. And children do not die because God needed another angel. Jesus does not take any of these shortcuts. He lasts 40 days in the wilderness, not because he is stronger than us, but because he knows better than to succumb to temptations. He knows that his Father in heaven is not Santa Claus doling out blessings on the basis of faithfulness. No, God is working through us, through our pain through our sorrow, through our temptation, and to the point of death. There is nothing God does not know because there is nothing that Christ did not experience. And that is why you should come to church on Sundays. And that is why you should share your own faith story. And that is why you should be invitational. It has nothing to do with your own personal success and everything to do with having faith that through whatever you go through, whatever that may be, God is there. There is no avenue in your life, good or bad, that the Son of God has not witnessed or experienced. If these 40 days remind us of the frailty of life, we will cling to the faith that we have in Christ through that frailty. And if we are reminded that the road of life leads to death, then we will cling to the promise of eternal life. Even at our lowest, Jesus shows us that we do not need shortcuts because God's got us. And to quote a beloved singer, if God's got us, we're going to be all right. So this Lent and in your baptismal walk, I encourage you not to take the easy way out. But instead, remember that through our Lord and Savior, we have strength for the road ahead. You do not need to be strong for God because God uplifts us in our weakness. 
Even in the wilderness, Jesus does not take a shortcut. The road might be scary in Lent, but we have faith in what lies at the end. Amen.